0: The scripture reading for today is from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the eleventh verse. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were all at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing walls, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, in him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning and um, good to be in worship together. So we continue working our way through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And this morning we encounter this beautiful passage in the second chapter where we are told that Christ is our peace, the one who breaks down the dividing walls of hostility between us and in himself, in his flesh, creating a new humanity. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, image, text, and call for the church. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Kim and I spent... um, uh, several days in Ireland and um, traveling around Ireland. We started up in uh, Dublin and kind of made a U around the Galway and then back across just the Republic of Ireland not up to Northern Ireland but one of the um, if you've ever been or you've seen pictures uh, across the, the British Isles and in Ireland there you, you know there are these beautiful stone walls that kind of crisscross the landscape and they, um, they divided up the, the property. They were boundaries sometimes between people's property. They were, um, I don't know, they don't keep sheep in, so I don't know why the sheep just climb them. But, um, but they're just beautiful. They, they, they make for amazing uh, photo opportunities. These stone walls, some have been there for, for centuries. They have a good purpose. They've helped to order life well in that land. But, you know, there are also walls that we erect with sometimes devastating and very negative consequences. I I think of um, uh, the wall in in Berlin, the wall dividing East and West Germany. When the wall went up, doctors began to report that there were increased cases of um, anxiety and anger and disillusionment, um, uh, addiction. And it seems that the closer in proximity you, you were to the wall, living closer to the wall, the levels of anxiety and depression and mental illness and addiction increased. Wall disease, as it literally came to be known, uh, seemed to have no remedy except for 1989, November, when the wall fell. Within the next year, doctors began to report um, that many of those um, those illnesses, those maladies began to subside. It was the removal of that barrier. You may remember, those of you who were around back then, I do. I remember those um, images of jubilant Germans standing on the wall, knocking down bits of the wall, embracing one another, celebrating the removal of that barrier that had divided their lives and had created such anxiety and depression and higher levels of anger and addiction. So today, Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, invites us to think about the walls that we erect. He asks us to consider how being faithful to Christ involves coming to terms with those walls. The dividing wall of our sin, that is, our living as if it's easier to be God than to trust and love God. The the dividing walls um, that we erect between one another, how we've carved up the landscape of humanity, creating enemies and and strangers to be feared, whole classes and races of people relegated to their right side of things, to their proper place, because it's easier to control people, we think, than to love them. And even that wall that we have that we've erected sometimes within our own hearts, that uh, keeps us from being our best God-given self. Walls that, that, that we erect. Paul asks us to, to take account of them, to, to be aware of the effects they have, to come to terms with them. And so in, in, into the midst of a people who Paul knew had a tendency to build walls... Paul makes the bold claim that in Jesus the Christ, God is about the business of actually tearing all of those walls down. Overcoming any distance and separation that might undermine God's desire for us to be reconciled in Christ. And in fact, Paul goes on to make the claim that in Christ, this work of deconstruction, of tearing down walls and reconciling all things, this sacred work has already begun. It's not something that will happen in the future when we finally get around to it. Paul says, no, it, it has been done. God's kingdom, God's reign is coming on the earth. With or without us, God's will will be done, whether we're on board with it or not. One day there will, Paul says, be no more walls. And that has already begun. That work has already started in Christ. Creation will be as God intends it to be. The trajectory of history towards a humanity without walls was inaugurated in Christ. And Paul seems to say that we can step into the flow of that stream and begin to live a bit of heaven on earth or we can be out of step with it and out of step with what God has done and continue erecting or trying to erect barriers and stumbling blocks and walls to try to, 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 try to protect our territory. Paul, of course, is writing to an Ephesians church located within the Roman Empire in the context of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, a peace secured by violence and oppression and coercion and, and walls. And in first century uh, Rome, Jews were about 10% of the population. Uh, there were more Jews living outside of Palestine than within Palestine, much like today. Jesus was, of course, Jewish. All the early disciples were Jewish. Much of the, of the early church was Jewish. And Paul was writing to them, to that church, that fledgling community, uncertain of its identity in the midst of the empire, always struggling to to maintain its identity in Christ, sometime wrestling with being more Roman and more like the empire than Christian. Sounds familiar, right? The temptation to find our identity in things other than Christ, of looking at times more American or more Republican or more Democrat than Christian. It's that same tug on us that the early church felt. And it's in that cultural, political, theological, historical context that Paul was writing and making things even more challenging. Paul was writing to a church in which the divisions or the enmity, the hostility, the bitterness, and the resentment between Jewish Christians... And Gentile Christians, folks like us, was all too real. There were a lot of walls in that church. And Paul is clear to the church in Ephesus that the division between Jewish and Gentile Christians was not simply a matter of taste. We want to worship this way, they want to worship that way, no big deal. Paul says no. Those differences, those divisions between Jewish and Gentile Christians in that early church actually were a threat to the very witness of the gospel. The division threatened the unity of the body and and the church's ability to, to proclaim that in Christ things are being reconciled and made whole. At stake was how God's people could offer an authentic witness a credible witness to the gospel of reconciliation when they themselves were so divided? Boy, that sounds familiar too. How can the church offer a credible witness to the world to a message of unity and reconciliation when the church seems so painfully messed up? You may recall that Jesus got himself into trouble quite often um, violating a lot of the boundaries, the walls, ignoring and dismantling the, the, the walls that his own people had erected, embodying the wideness of God's mercy, as the hymn says. Jesus included those on the outside, of those, those beyond. Remember, Gentiles are beyond the promises made to Israel. We're not included. And Jesus hung out with folks like us quite a bit said, you know, maybe we should think, rethink this. Maybe, maybe those tax collectors, the prostitutes, all sorts of unclean Gentiles, maybe they're included too. I know you've put a wall there, but, but maybe God would prefer a relationship. And similarly, even though he himself was a good Jew, Paul, following Christ's example, consistently he and Peter argued over this all the time, consistently insisted upon the full inclusion of Gentiles into the body of Christ. It wasn't about, again, people getting along. It was, it was the core of what it meant to be the church. It's not something we worry too much about these days. We don't have that same division, Jew and Gentile Christian. That's not our, that's not our um, problem. But it was a real debate in the life of the early church. Were Gentiles going to be included in Christ's saving work to Israel or not? And so Paul would write letters to places like First Church in in Galatia where some were insisting that the Gentile converts needed to first become Jews, be circumcised, follow the the law, then they could be welcomed in. Or places like in in Rome where Jewish Christians were condemning the Gentile Christians for their lawlessness and the Gentile Christians were condemning the Jewish Christians for their adherence to the old ways. These divisions, Paul suggests, these walls threatened the unity of the body. So much so that the very message of the gospel was at risk. Again, how can the church bear witness to a message of reconciliation when the church itself is not reconciled? So it's into this context where people are divided and are dividing themselves into groups and picking sides and erecting walls and drawing lines and deciding who's in and who's out and and who matters and who doesn't that Paul finally just says no. No. And he makes the bold claim that Jesus has already broken down all of that, has overcome it once and for all, and has proclaimed peace to those who are near and peace to those who are far away. Settling once and for all the dispute. They're all welcome, Paul says. I think there's a warning here for us in our increasingly polarized and, and divided world and in a divided denomination. It, it's, it's, it's a reminder that not only does Christ overcome any walls we try and build, but any time we try to put those stones back into place, whether it be the walls around our hearts or the walls we erect to avoid relationships with the people we don't like or walls that say we know how to be Christian and your group doesn't know how to be Christian. When we do that, when we try and undo what Christ has done, Paul says it's not merely that you're building walls, it's that you're actually becoming a stumbling block for people on their way to God. How tragic if the church becomes a stumbling block for people on their way to God. You all may recall the book or the movie, A River Runs Through It. McLean tells the story of two brothers um, in Missoula, Montana. They grow up under the stern guidance of their minister father who who taught them about love and grace and mercy and relationships over fly fishing. That just seems like to me... um, the waste of a quiet trip. <laughs> you have to talk to people. The whole point of fly fishing is not talking to people. But anyway, teaches them that over fly fishing. The boys grow up, one kind of follows the straight and narrow, one not so straight and narrow, but they can always come back to the river and to, to that bond that they, that they have. Um, so, you know, hence the, the, the description, a river runs through it, is not really about the landscape, the geography, it's about their relationship. McDowell, um, Scott McDowell suggested as we think about our life together and the, the things that unite us, that bring us together, it might be said, as he puts it, that a cross runs through it. When all else fails, when we get things sideways, when we start building our walls and erecting things that divide us and keep us from healthy relationship, um, it's important to go back and to remember that a cross now runs through the landscape of this world, not a wall, but a cross. That is the geographical center of our life together. You see, the remedy for our tendency to be wall builders is an intentional focus on Christ. Because when we draw near to Christ, now hear me a second and just kind of picture this. When we draw near to Christ, we actually are brought into proximity with all the people our walls were intended to keep out. And there's one more thing. Paul makes an interesting move in this passage. He begins with the claim that Christ breaks down the walls of hostility, the divisions between us, and then he comes full circle, and he claims that not only is Christ the wall-breaker, but Christ is the cornerstone of something new. Because God is not only in the business of deconstruction, but also of building. Only God is not constructing a wall, a, a barrier, but a temple, Paul says. And we, all Jesus' friends, are part of that temple. God is the master builder, and God is actually taking the stones from the walls of division that we've erected, is dismantling those stone by stone, and is transforming those stumbling blocks Into stones of hope and peace and reconciliation, into the foundation of a new humanity. I mean, this is how Paul puts it. Hear him again God is building a home, He's using us all. Irrespective of how we got here, He's using us all in what He is building. He's using you and me, fitting us in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ as the cornerstone that holds it all together, taking shape day by day, a holy temple built by God, in which God is quite at home. Using us, all Jesus' friends, the people we like and the people maybe not so much, All of Jesus, friends, every race and gender and identity and class, nationality, all of us, built not into a wall that keeps people out, but a temple that draws people in. And Christ is the center of the whole thing. So I wonder, I have to think about it, what walls I've erected, maybe we've erected intentionally or unintentionally, what barriers am I putting up that keeping, it's keeping someone else from drawing near, how I've been complicit in perpetuating the systems of division that divide up our, our nation and our church, that hinder God's work of reconciliation, how maybe I've divided my own heart We've divided our hearts to keep Christ out from penetrating and transforming us and making us new. Where maybe have we built a wall where God's called us to build a relationship? And I think then what we have to really wrestle with or to think about is might we have enough courage or better, might we have enough love to go there to our walled off neighbors and just sit with them and listen? Hear their story. Build a relationship. Trusting that when we do that, we are participating in God's work of deconstruction and building. And as we go about this work, the good news to remember is, that that will propel us and give us energy for this work, is that there is no wall too high, too wide, or too long for Christ's love to reach over to reach around or to reach beyond. There is no wall that can hold back the tide of God's kingdom. There's no wall that can withstand the force of God's grace. In this world of division, there is no wall that can, cannot be dismantled by the power of God's love. Because a cross runs through the landscape of this world. Christ is our peace. is the cornerstone and there's work to be done. Amen.